We have been going through a series called Signature of the Almighty, Encountering the Living God. Signature of the Almighty. You know, God chose to to design this world, but not to just leave it and let it run on its own, but to participate with us in life, teaching and training us. And so what we've done over the last five weeks is we've gone in and we've explored as God participated with man and as man encountered the Almighty, what did they learn? What did they find out? And in each case, as they found something unique about the character of God, they recorded that with a new name, a signature of the Almighty. And so we've looked through some names of him, right? We started with I am. What an appropriate song we just sang. These guys did a great job. We appreciate so much what the worship team does in bringing passion and energy and quality to helping our hearts be ushered into the presence of God Almighty. But I am. Do you remember what that means? It means I am. Deep. It means from eternity past to eternity future. It means no dependence on anyone else. I am completely trustworthy. The I am. The Hebrew name for him, Yahweh. We translate it across as Lord. And every time we look in our Bibles, we see that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When we see it all capped, they're telling us, hey, they just used the personal name of God here. In the Hebrew, it was personal. Yahweh, I am. And so when each of these individuals that we then studied after that encountered God, they took that personal name and they appended some more to it. Like, I am will provide. When Abraham and Isaac were going up on the mountain, and Isaac says, we pretty much have everything except the sacrifice, Dad. What are we doing here? Don't you worry. The I am will provide. And he ended up providing the ram. I am is our righteousness. We studied that next. I am is our righteousness. We serve a king who does not just play kingdom. But he will reign for all eternity. There is a day coming when our Christ will come on a white horse. Fire flaming from his eyes to take over full control. To reign with righteousness and justice for all eternity. That's our king. That deserved an amen. Craig got the amen going. We got to follow suit. Amen. God is at work. That is where we're at. I am. I am is our righteousness. I am will provide. I am is our banner. Guarantee of victory. Remember we were studying Moses as he picks up the stick and he holds it up standing on top of the hilltop. And every time he sets it down, he notices the tide is changing. And so he picked the stick back up. And eventually the three of them together work as a team to hold his arms in the air as they implore of God Almighty. And in the midst of imploring, they see great victory. And they name that place, that altar. I am is my banner. I can trust in him. He is my victory. Guaranteed. I am is my peace. Gideon. He came into the very presence of God Almighty and he doubted and questioned. 
And in the end, he was sure that meant one thing, death. And God said, don't fear. I am peace. To have a peace-based relationship with the great I am. That's some of who we've looked at. There are a lot more I am's. We could keep going and going and going. That's the beauty of who he is and the depth of who he is. But one thing I wanted to make sure we did is we got our arms around this question. So that's who he is. And each week we studied some things we can do in response to who he is. But let me ask you this. What do I really do with the I am? Should it really impact the day-to-day circumstances that I'm in? How do I stand firm in the midst of circumstances? Sometimes horrible, tough circumstances. Sometimes blessings. Did you know it's almost harder to stand firm in the the midst of blessings at times? Easy to get distracted, isn't it? As everything's coming your way, you kind of start getting stuck on me. Standing in the midst of circumstances, firm. That's what we're going to be looking at today. How do we wrap together this whole package of who I am is? We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. Our ushers are going to be coming forward, and they've got some Bibles. If you do not have the Word with you today, we would love to get a Bible in your hands. Just raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. Uh, We're going to be walking through Philippians 4, 2 through 9. It'll be real handy to have that Bible, okay? So just raise your hand if you need it. Philippians 4, 2 through 9 is where we're going. I'm just going to read verse 1 to get us started. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Intro piece, okay? Some would even say maybe conclusion piece to the prior section. Chapter, or verses 2 through 9 here of chapter 4. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. You know, this passage might be very familiar to some of you. A lot of us have gone through this, studied this, maybe even memorized parts of it. So we want to be careful in the midst of familiarity that we don't drift off and start making our shopping list for the afternoon. Okay? Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. How do I stand firm? First, right relationships with others. That's how he starts out. Right relationships with others. He says, I entreat. That's how we all speak, right? Somebody comes up to your table and says, you know, may I help you? You're at a restaurant. You say, I entreat you. Is that how we talk? So sometimes this word may go drift past us. and We're like, I don't know, whatever, move on. It means this. I'm pleading with you. 
I am so desiring this. Please get this. Please, with everything you have, capture this. Capture what? Iodia and Syntyche, please agree in the Lord. Please agree. What are they fighting about? I don't know. How bad are they disagreeing? Well, bad enough that their name got recorded in all of Scripture for all of time <laughs> as the ones that didn't get along. What an honor, huh? I mean, this is a battle that apparently is affecting the body. It's affecting those around them. It's certainly affecting them. And Paul heard about it from prison. You know what I mean? Like of all the things to talk about as you're talking, like how is it going and the shackles and the pain and the, the rocks and the junk and the sometimes a little nicer situations and the, you know, what's going on? And you know, there's these two women that are fighting in the church back at, that's how they got recorded. Well, they must have been real troublemakers, right? I mean, after all, they're fighting. I don't know. What does verse 3 say? I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. That term, labored side by side, it's actually a fighting term. It's an arena term. It means gladiator war. That's really what he's going after. They were gladiators with me for the gospel. That's who these people are. They have been unbelievably solid for the Lord. Please ask them to agree and get along. If you notice here, he doesn't say, please ask so-and-so to admit that they were wrong. He's asking both parties to get it right. That's where he's at. These gospel gladiators with him now, a little extra piece here. He says, tell them to get along. And then he says, oh, and by the way, uh, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers and this companion that he's addressing here, right? He says, all your names are written in the book of life. You too, help them out. Okay? It's teamwork. We're all rallying together to all get along. That's kind of the picture we're getting. All right? We've got a problem going on. We need the two to be fixing it. If the two aren't fixing it, we need some friends rallying around. It's going to get right. That's what Paul's saying. And he's not saying, by the way, just a little side request as you're going through life. If you want to deal with this, you can maybe fix it. Please, I entreat you, get this right. This needs to change. Now, I found it very interesting in the midst of this uh, segment on right relationships with others, he's basically saying reconcile. That's a great one-worder if you want to write it down. Yodi and Syntyche, reconcile with each other. Get along. It's a good R word. Why am I using R words? Maybe because the next word's an R. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Here's a second step to right relationships with others. Celebrate God. You know, we've just spent all this time on right relationships with God, the I am, the I am who provides in every circumstance we could fall into, the I am who is our righteousness, the I am who is our peace, the I am who is our banner and victory, that God, that's the God to celebrate in, rejoice in God Almighty. Again, I say rejoice. 
Now, is the typical picture of rejoicing something you could imagine while somebody's slumped in a couch with a frown on their face? Are you rejoicing in that? You walk up and you're like, hey, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about the greatness of God. <laughs> like, is that, right? When, when it says rejoice, as we're actually thinking it through, as it's really changing and touching us, we get pumped up. Rejoicing shows on your face. Rejoicing shows in your body language. Rejoicing shows in your talk, in your language, in your word choice, in your tone of voice, in everything. Rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, let this impact you from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head in everything you do and in everything you say. May God get the glory. That was a good spot for an amen. Go after it with all you've got. God is to be glorified. How do we have right relationships with others? We're rejoicing in God Almighty. Do you know when we stop having right relationships with others? When we stop rejoicing in the Lord and we start protecting me. That's when things get tough. When it stops becoming about him and it starts becoming about me. You know what I mean? The respect word, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's the one you're going to have to follow, man. It's respecting me. It's a good song. I'm going to back it in my life. All of a sudden, we've got battles everywhere. So, right relationships with others. Reconcile if you've got the struggles going on. Second, rejoice in the Lord. And that third piece there, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. I got to be honest with you, reasonableness. I looked this word up because all the different uh, versions actually go at it from different angles. Some different words that I've seen written down in the different versions. Reasonable, gentle, kind, forbearing, accepting. All of those have been used in various versions, okay? Why? Because the Greek concept here that's being used is more of a concept. And we really don't have that great of an English word for it. And so they went after some variations. John MacArthur actually summed it up. I'll just read it so I don't butcher it. Accept less than you are due. Accept, A-C-C, not E-X. Accept, allow, accept more than you are due or less than you are due. If somebody's mistreating you, maybe you let it slide. It wasn't right. It wasn't kind. Maybe you have to have a little talk at some point where you bring it up as a hurt, but you're not defending your turf. You're accepting less than you were due. Actually, I deserved more respect than that in that moment of time, but I'm going to gently go after correcting into this. That's what allows us to get along. Forbearing, allowing, tolerance, gentleness, reasonableness, Okay? How do we have right relationships with others? He gives us three R's. Reconcile, rejoice, and be reasonable. That's a three-stepper that he gives us there. Sounds easy. Takes a lot of work because it's our heart pride that's keeping us back from it. But it's worth going after with everything we have. You know, in our family... We've got two daughters. They're a nine-year-old and a twelve-year-old. And uh, um, 
We love playing around with them. They are a blast. They get along famously well for the most part. And then there's those moments, you know what I'm talking about? And so we used to say, say you're sorry. And, and that would go something like this, sorry, right? You're like, oh, that worked real well, you know? Yeah, so that's really, a, that's fixed the problem. So now they're offended in how you said sorry, and then you have to go through that whole beast, and it's a mess, right? So what we started doing is we said, reconcile the relationship. Can you imagine a little five-year-old? Reconcile the relationship. They're like, what? Okay, so we simplified it into a four-step process for them. And I've actually said this before. You may have heard this, but four-step process to reconciling. I'm sorry, first step. I'm sorry. For what? This is the thing I've done wrong. Specific details. It's not, hey, I'm sorry. It's, I'm sorry that I said this to you in this way. I'm sorry that I took your peanut butter. I'm sorry that, right? Sometimes it can be little stuff. That's okay. Some, I'm sorry that, and then you fill in. I'm sorry for what? Will you please forgive me? Will you please forgive me? And we're not done. Fourth step. I forgive you. It's the other person's responsibility. I have seen the largest battles between husband and wife crumble with this four-step process. It's actually Matthew 7, right? It's not you walk in and you say, you did. You walk in and you say, I did. Matthew 7 says, pull the rod out of your own eye before you pull the speck out of someone else's, right? It's this whole concept. If I walk in and we're going to try to fix the problem, I walk up and I say, you did this to me, Ryan, man. You did this. Well, now Ryan's on the defensive, and so he's stepping back, and his first answer is, well, you, and now we're into finger pointing, and we got a war going on. So instead, you step back and you walk in and you say, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. Will you please forgive me? And the other person goes, I forgive. I'm surprised. I forgive you, right? And the relationship is being restored. This is utterly essential in the home. It's utterly essential. Like, I was, I was counseling a married couple, and uh, they came in, and uh, I'd given them this assignment of doing the four-step process over the course of the week. And they came in, and they're like, well, we did it. And I said, really, how'd it go? And they said, actually, pretty well. And I said, great. How many times did you do it? Twice. Twice in seven days? Yeah. Were you living together? <laughs> like, I, I'm up to seven or eight myself. Are you kidding? Twice? And as we talked it through and laughed and joked about it, the reality is we all have many opportunities where we have chosen a tone of voice or a word choice or a going after the thing I want instead of what somebody else wants, and we could be apologizing for that and letting them know you matter. You matter. Right relationships with others. A very clear Matthew 7 step. Do the four-step process. I'm sorry for what? Will you please forgive me? Yeah, I forgive you. And I realize there's going to be those times where people don't want to restore with you. And as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And as much as it depends on you. So you go after pulling the rod out of your own eye. You go after the sorry. And then after that's cleared up, you've at least come to middle. And I'm telling you, there's times where they don't want to come themselves. And that's not the time to go, your turn. Now you bring it, okay? You need to be a little more 
okay, be careful. As we're trying to establish right relationships, it is important to have the basic I'm sorry piece down. And as you model it, it will be followed. It will. Over time, I'm telling you, hearts have softened. I have watched the hardest of hardcore marriage situations utterly collapse with that four-step process right there. Just 20, 30 minutes, and there's tears everywhere. It softens hearts. Watch God work. Don't control it. Just watch God work. Do you have a relationship you need to be working on? How are you doing with family? We just had Thanksgiving week. How are we doing with family? Is there something we need to be working out? Something we need to be saying I'm sorry for? Simple phone call. It's best in person, but if you're distant, I understand. How are you doing with friends? Spouse? Everybody's quiet. We have to think it through. Really be careful. God wants to make an impact. Right relationships with others, okay? Figure out where you need to go with it and go there. Second, right heart towards God. Right heart towards God. Verse 6. We actually start right before it. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. The Lord is at hand. Two different thoughts to this statement. The Lord is near. He's like right here with us. And because he's here with us, we can have a relationship with him and that can impact us. That, that definitely is, that's probably what it means, okay? But it may also mean the Lord is coming again. Get this stuff together. It's really not exactly clear which way to bend. And I'm telling you, I've read about nine commentaries and we're about four and five on that, okay? So I would lean towards, it's one of the two. That's, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with it other than this. If the Lord is at hand, I know he's near and I know he's coming. And both of those should be impacting my behavior and my thoughts. I need to be focused on the righteous king who is coming to reign. And he is even present with me today. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Oh, okay. Right? It's supposed to be simple, right? Do not be anxious. Well, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay, verb part. Let your requests be made known to God. How do I not be anxious? Hand it over to somebody who can really handle it. How can I not freak out in the midst of this? Because I'm trusting the God who has created the entire universe by speaking. Right? I mean, it's in control. Just hand it over. Okay? We're going to get a little deeper on this in just a second. Let your request be made known to God. How do I let my request be made known? Prayer and supplication. Two different words here. Okay? Prayer. Talking with God. Communicating. Letting him know. Hey, I'm really wrestling with this, God. I am truly struggling right now. This is not easy for me. What is it you want me to be learning? How is it you want me to be growing? Who is it you want to be changing? Is it just me or someone else? God, I want to be with you and I want to be following you. Help me with that. Converse with them. But supplication is getting right to the point. I'm seeing the problem like this. 
Granted, limited viewpoint, human viewpoint, but this is what I'm thinking would be the best solution. Could you, God, please, could you do this? Could you? This is what I'm asking for, for you to step in in this way and make this change. Prayer and supplication. That's what those two are. Is this supplication? Is this? Please! I don't care what you want. I'm saying please to this. Now I've said please and I've supplicated. Now give it to me. Please. This. Right here. Now. Like we all know the the parable that talks about being persistent. So we turn persistence into being belligerent, mean, jerk, selfish. Right? That's persistent. Persistent. I've said it a million times and I've said it harshly. Is that what it means? (laughs) Supplication. I'm trying to offend God right now. Like, have you ever been walking through the store and either you've had your child or you've witnessed somebody else's child? It's Christmas time, I'm sure you have, where it's, please give me that, give me this. And they're grabbing things off the shelf and they're pleading and they're pleading and they're begging. They're not asking things like, do you have a bigger picture plan? Is there another gift that you've gotten instead that may even be better than this? (laughs) Right? That's not what we're doing. Just give it to me. That's not supplication. And we're going to be talking a lot more about that over the next couple weeks, Okay. But it's about having a relationship with him where we lean on him in the midst of tough times and even in the midst of blessings and we say, what is it, God, that you're trying to accomplish? I'm laying full control in your hands. You see, when we're pleading and begging, control is here in my hands and I'm throwing it out there for you to start doing what I want. You kind of work for me, my magic genie. That is a broken supplication. Health is I'm handing you the control. I'm asking with everything I've got, and I want to see that situation bettered, and I'm going to continue to come at it from the best angle I can see, and God, if you want my mind and heart to change, I'm willing for it to change. Change me. That's a powerful prayer, Glance. That's going to rock your world. Take a look. He says, do not be anxious. Thankfully, he gives us the what we should be doing then because otherwise we're just strangling ourselves. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Are you being blown away by the peace of God in this situation? Or are you being blown away by the largeness of the problem? If the problem's what you see, You haven't handed it over. The peace of God, which is beyond all understanding, calms you, relaxes you, because you see him at work. Don't be anxious. Just hand it over to him. Watch him change your heart. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. The word guard here, it's a military term. It means it will set up a garrison around. It will fully protect. There is absolutely no penetration of your heart and mind are safe with the peace of God. You see, the interesting thing is when we go to control things, we're actually trying to protect our heart and mind. But we're trying to do it. And just so you know, it's not safe there. In your hands and in my hands, That's when we hurt ourselves and we hurt others. But in the hands of God Almighty, now that is a safe place to be. 
let the peace of God pour over you. Why does this work? Why does this work? Okay. I want to make sure we get this clear, all right? There is fear. We, we have fears. We can be afraid of circumstances. We can be afraid of people. And the more we let those fears get to us, the first thing we do is we grab. And now we're holding on and we're clinging on tighter. And that fear brings anxiety. And as we're clinging on to it and trying to control it, and as it starts to go this way, and you're like trying to bring it back to center, and it starts to go the other way, and you're trying to bring it back to... That, that thing you're doing there, that's a response to fear. Fear of circumstances, fear of man. And as you're pulling around, trying to control the world to protect yourself from that fear, you're losing the peace of God opportunity in your life. So control is high, trust is low. And what we need to do is we need to flip it. Control is low, trust is high. And in the midst of a low control, high trust environment, where we have taken our fear of man and fear of circumstances and squarely put it instead on a fear or a reverence of God Almighty. It's Him I'm looking to. It's Him my eyes are fixed on. Now that is worth really responding to. A fear of God instead of a fear of man or fear of circumstances. And all of a sudden our control drops to low, our trust goes to high, and we start relaxing in the circumstance. And as people walk past you and they see you in the midst of these uh, trials and troubles, they're amazed. Their mind is blown away. It's beyond understanding. It says right here, what? How can you be relaxed in that situation? Are you kidding me? And you have the opportunity to be able to explain how the God of peace has brought peace into your life. A peace that can't be understood from human control perspectives. That's what it's about. No fear of man, no fear of circumstances, high fear or respect of God. Low control, high trust. Low control, high trust. That's where you're going, okay? Can you see now why I was saying when we talk about prayer, we can walk in and keep it high control? We're trying to control what God's going to give. That's still high control. Anxiety's going to come with it. You're like, I don't get it. I'm praying all the time and I'm still totally anxious. The answer is you're trying to control what you're going to get in the midst of it. And it's not about what you get. It's who you're with. That's the answer. It's not about what you get. It's who you're with. Low control, high trust. Okay? You know... I, uh, I've been going on and on in each point, which is dangerous for the time, but that's all right. I was six years old. I'd been through six surgeries by the time I was six years old on my left hand, um, just a variety of reconstructive type stuff on my hand. And in the midst of those surgeries, uh, each experience was, I mean, this is the 1960s technology. So those of you who had surgeries back then, you know, the ether gas that smelled like just horrible and the huge shots they give you in your leg to try to numb you up and get you a little bit more tired before they put the ether on. And like, it was just a horrible sequence of events to go through. And I remember one of them, five years old, uh, my mom was in the room with me when they came in to put a shot into my thigh just to kind of start bringing me down. And uh, I was staring at her as they went and put the shot into the thigh and my eyes filled up with tears and like she blurred into multiple visions, you know, multiple people through the tears. 
And when the tears finally streamed down the cheeks and I could see a little more clearly, she had tears herself. But my eyes were fixed on her. I mean, I didn't take them off. I didn't look down at the doctor. I didn't look at the foot-long needle. I wasn't looking at anything but her. That's how we walk through and stand firm. That's how we have that right heart in the midst of. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix it on him. Even if you got the tears and you're seeing two visions of him, fix your eyes on him. And in the midst of that pain, he's there with you. He is there with you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. That's what it's about. Are you going through a tough time right now? Are you fixing your eyes on him? Are you breaking the earthen shackles of high control and dropping it down to low control, high trust? It's time to let go. What's that problem you're struggling with where you're controlling it? It's time to let go. It's time to let God work. It's time to passionately seek after him and watch him change your heart. So the first point, right relationships with others. The second point is right heart towards God. The third point, right thinking about the situation. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Think about those things. Oh, okay. Again, it's one of those, like, you're in the middle of a totally mind-numbing pain problem, and somebody just goes, think about happy thoughts. Right? And you're like, I'm not getting it. You know what? The reality is we have a choice each and every day to make our mind dwell on something. What's it going to dwell on? The problem or the problem solver? Let's just walk a few, through th a few things here. True, it means real. Reality, it's not fake. Reality, that's true. Honorable means worthy of respect. Noble, lofty. So true is reality. Honorable is worthy of respect. Right, it's proper. It's fitting. It's correct for the situation. Pure, innocent, clean of sin. Lovely, pleasing and attractive to the godly senses. Not to the sinful senses, but to the godly senses. Lovely. Commendable, well reported of. Excellence, it's like high virtue and worthy of praise. means worthy of praise. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Now those are some things to think about. Flip real quickly to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Verses 7 through 11. Check this out. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. Good to hear the pages flipping. It's just about middle. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. 
Are you hearing it? True, sure, pure, right, just. God's word. God himself is those things. So thinking about him and his character and then thinking through the word. Now that is thinking right. Okay? So thinking through the things of scripture. Now this is not what I mean. You're walking along and somebody says, hey, how are you? And you're like, uh, I don't know. Let me quote Isaiah 16 to you. And like, you just start spilling verses, right? So you're just a Bible spiller. And that's all you are. Like it doesn't even fit the circumstance, you know? Like, so did you like that movie? For God so loved the world and he gave his own... Like, that's not what we're talking about. Random quoting acts of scripture, okay? That's not it. But truly applying to your life. So you're in a situation where somebody has hurt you and you go, God doesn't care. Did you just quote truth? Or does God care? He cares about every hair of my head. He cares about every little bird. He cares about me. Now that's true. Yeah, he may care, but I don't think he's going to do anything. Really? God doesn't get involved? How about all things work together for good to them that love him? That's quoting scripture that applies to the situation. Now that's power. True, right, noble, lovely, admirable. Those are huge words. That's going after the truth of scripture applied to your situation. Now that's going to change a life. That's what we're talking about, okay? It's memorizing scripture that applies to right where you're at. Are you going through a tough moment? What is impacting you? I don't know. I can't find a verse. Call me. Call us at the church. We'd love to work through some things with you. Pray for you. I'm sure there are verses that we can find that are going to give you truth that you can be thinking of and be pondering in the midst of the situation you're going through. God wants to impact you right where you're at, right thinking. Notice right at the very end, he says, verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So think about it and then do it. Think about it, but then follow through, right? Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. We just met the God of peace last week with Gideon, right? Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. He wants to bring peace to your life, first in a relationship with him, and then in your circumstantial experiences. Not a peace that says, oh, it's all going to be great. God fixed everything. I got exactly what I wanted. That's not the kind of peace we're talking about. That's the kind of peace a lot of people sell. But that's not the peace of Scripture. The peace of Scripture is, no matter what happens, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Now that's a prayer worth having answered. None of this is about what you get. All of this is about getting to know him better and bring him glory. That's what we're talking about. Right thinking in the situation. It's going after what is biblical. It's going after what is godly. It's quoting and applying in truths of scripture to the situation you're struggling with. That's what it's about. Right thinking in the situation. So how do I stand firm? Right relationships with others. How do I stand firm? A right heart. 
towards God? How do I stand firm? A right thinking about every situation. What's the situation you're in where you need to get rid of the stinking thinking? And you need to start picking up what's true and noble and right. What's the thinking that needs to go right now? Something needs to go. It's true for all of us. It's true for me. We all have some junk that needs to go. What is it that needs to go for you? You got it? It's time to go after it. God Almighty, help us as we try to direct our hearts and our heads in thinking like you'd want. In thinking like you'd want. Stand firm.